You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. Someone came, I came across rather a, a definition that someone else wrote of servanthood. And I kind of, I love it, so I want to share it with you. It's in your notes. Uh, servanthood is the willingness to humble oneself and act for the benefit of someone else in the name of Jesus Christ. It is, a, it is an attitude followed up with action. I'm going to read that again. I love this, this description, this definition. The willingness, this is servanthood, the willingness to humble oneself and act for the benefit of someone else in the name of Jesus Christ. It is an attitude followed up with action. John Newton, the hymn writer who wrote the great hymn, Amazing Grace, he once said this, if two angels in heaven were given assignments by God at the very same instant, one assignment was to go to earth and rule over the most powerful nation on the planet, and the other assignment was to go to earth and sweep the streets of the dirtiest, filthiest village on the planet, each angel would be completely indifferent as to which one got the which assignment. It would not matter to them what they would be sent to do. They just would want the privilege of obeying God. The source of their joy is being obedient to God, doing what he asked them to do. We live in a world where people fight for their rights. I have a right for this and I have a right for this. And people will, will, will stand up strong for their rights. But can I tell you something? Here's a great life lesson. Servants give up their personal rights to find greatness in serving others. Don't you think Jesus gave up his rights as a son of God to come to die on a cross here on this earth so that you and I could have eternal life? Servants are called to, um, to give up our rights because it's all about Jesus. I've noticed that God's ways are so different than man's ways. We don't always here in America in the year 2017 think the way the scriptures think. And sometimes I wonder, are we as Christ followers who study the word and obey the word, are we different? Do we have things backward? Or is the world backward? Let me give you an example. Uh, the, the world, the people of this world may not understand concepts like this. To gain your life, you must first lose it. Once again, that's what Scripture teaches. But uh, those who do not know Jesus as their Savior may not understand that. Or how about this? In order to receive, you must first give. Hmm, that doesn't make sense. I mean, sometimes in, in the world's logic... Things uh, that, that the world says need to be done just don't make sense. But, I mean, no, God's ways are different. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Hmm, that's a weird concept. I'm telling you, Scripture is here that sometimes people who do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior may not be able to comprehend. How about this one? To be victorious in battle, you must let God do your fighting. Hmm, that's a good one, right? Uh, but once again, the world says, no, you got to fight. You got to fight for yourself. You got to fight for number one, right? Or how about this one? To fight like a man, you've got to fall on your knees. That's a good one. Sometimes uh, the world doesn't understand these concepts that we're talking about here that are in Scripture. 
Here's another one. To experience eternal life, you must have the faith of a child. Hmm, those are some good ones. And once again, uh, the world may not understand why we serve the Lord. But here's, here's one more that deals with today's topic. In order to be great, you must first be a servant. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. And the world may not understand that. Wait a minute. I, I, I want greatness. The Lord says, okay, you want to be great? First of all, you got to be a servant. Got to be a servant. So here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, Paul writes some, uh, some great things for us to follow. And I'd like to ask you three questions that are answered in these two verses. Because I want us to learn the in-depth of what servanthood is all about. How God uses each one of us to serve to make the body of Christ stronger and better. Okay. My first question is this. Why has God set you free? And the answer is to serve others. Now, is there anybody free in this place? And sometimes we don't know free. Free from what? Well, we're no longer bound by the things of this world. We're no longer bound by any addictions. We're no longer, as Christ followers, bound uh, by the things that used to bring us down and, and things that, you know, would once again destroy our spiritual life. We are free. When we've come to faith in Jesus Christ, we don't have to give in to any of the sins that the people of this world are so caught up in because we are a new creature. How many of you are a new creature? Amen transformed by the blood of Jesus. Now, sometimes people don't understand what is written right here in Galatians 5.13. Well, why has God set you free, according to this passage, to serve others? That's what it says. For you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another. Wow. Did you catch that? Do you realize that one of the purposes that God has transformed you and set you free is because he wants you to be a servant. He needs individuals like you and I to serve in this world that we live in. And sometimes we don't always put the two two together. Uh, Being set free and serving God, being a servant, yes, they go hand in hand. Dave Thomas, the founder of Wendy's Hamburgers, once said this, I got my MBA long before my GED. I even have a photograph of me in my MBA graduation outfit, a snazzy knee-length work apron. I guarantee you that I'm the only founder among America's big companies whose picture on the corporate annual report shows him with a mop and a plastic bucket. That wasn't a gag. It was a case of leading by example. At Wendy's, MBA does not mean Master of Business Administration. It means mop bucket attitude. It's how we define satisfying the customer through cleanliness, quality food, friendly service, and atmosphere. I I like that. How many of you want to have a mop bucket uh, attitude, right? Then you can go around telling people, I have my MBA now, okay? (laughs) We are called to serve. We are called to serve. Well, we read about what Jesus said about this. Matthew chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over there. Matthew chapter 20, verse number 20. There's an interesting uh, dialogue that happens between uh, the mother of uh, James and John. You may be familiar with this story. 
because she has a unique request. How many of you know that, that, that there are some mothers in this world that think their, their boys do nothing wrong, right? Okay, let's read about this one here. Matthew 20, 20 says this, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. Woo, that's a big... Did she realize what she's asking? I mean, this is a son of God. This is Jesus. And she wants her two boys, one on his right, one on his left. Wow, I, I kind of think she's a... Well, anyway, okay, I won't go there. <clears throat> so Jesus, here's verse 22. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Yeah, they got the other disciples upset. Jesus called them together and said, now, let me, let me say, how is Jesus going to respond to this? Okay, we, we've got a problem. We've got two out of the 12 disciples that are trying to elevate themselves above the rest. Are you getting the picture here? So what does Jesus do? Jesus places himself in a, with an attitude of servanthood. And after all, if Jesus says, hey, I'm called to be a servant, how about you guys? He kind of puts them in a place in a unique way. Verse 25, Jesus called them together and said, you know uh, that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them, not, with, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So here Jesus says, hey, hey guys, let's settle the issue here. Can we start with me? I'm your leader and I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. Are you getting the picture here? So I can imagine how uh, James and John felt after that. I think they got the message that they were barking up the wrong tree because they had the priorities in the wrong way because after all, Jesus says, you know what? I didn't even come to be served. I came to serve. Now, did Jesus have to serve? No. He chose to serve. He chose to be a servant. Show me somebody, somebody who serves in the kingdom of God, and I'll show you someone who is free. See, Jesus left his throne in glory. He didn't have to do that. He had freedom to, to, to come to earth and give his life. Or he had the freedom to say, I'm not going to do that. But he was free, and so because of that, he made the choice on his own will, his own volition. I'm going to go to earth and I'm going to give my life. So what does that mean for you and I? We have a choice to make, but can I recommend the best choice to make is to serve God? That's the best choice. A large group of European pastors came to one of D.L. Moody's Northfield Bible conferences in Massachusetts back in the late 1800s. Following the European custom of the time, each guest, this is an old custom in Europe, would place their shoes outside his room to be cleaned. They would place their shoes in the hallway outside their room to be cleaned overnight. That was just a, a European tradition. But, of course, this was not an American tradition. 
There were no hall servants in America. Walking the dormitory halls that particular night, D.L. Moody, the great evangelist who everybody came to hear and who everybody, he was the, the one who was putting on this conference, he saw the shoes in the hallway and determined not to embarrass his brothers. So he mentioned the need to some of his ministerial students, Americans who were there, uh, but he was only met with silence. Oh, that's crazy. I'm not going to do that. So D.L. Moody returned to the dorm. He gathered up all the shoes that were in the hallway and alone in his room, this world-famous evangelist began to clean and polish every pair of those shoes. And he returned them back to where they belong. And, uh, and only, only the unexpected arrival of a friend in the, in, in the midst of his work revealed what he had done. When the foreign visitors opened their doors the next morning, their shoes were, they were shined. And they never knew who did it. They never knew that it was this man that they came to hear and prepare them for ministry. D.L. Moody knew what it was to be a servant. Now, when I read things like that, I say, you know what? God has given a calling for each one of us. And I kind of jotted down, I put this in your notes, a kind of a declaration because I kind of believe we need to put things in the proper perspective. Here's my declaration for today. Transformation is what has happened to me. A child of the king is who I am. Loving God is my desire. Serving others is what I'm called to do. And heaven is where I am going. That's my declaration for today. And tied into all this is being a servant of the Most High God. I'm going to read that one more time, and and maybe you can make that your declaration for today. Transformation is what has happened to me. A child of the king is who I am. Loving God is my desire. Serving others is what I'm called to do, and heaven is where I am going. Are there any amens to that? Amen. Amen. So Galatians chapter 5, question number 2, we're learning from Scripture. What is the second question that is answered here? How are we to serve? How are we to serve? It says very clearly in verse 13, serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. And love. So, first, we're told what we need to do, serve. Secondly, we're told how we are to do it. We are to do it with a humble attitude, with love. I like what C.S. Lewis once said. Let me give you his quote: "Humility is not thinking less of yourself; it's thinking of your of yourself less." Let me give you a contrast. Mara is a forty-two-year-old mom and has some high expectations of everyone around her. She expects everyone to serve her. She expects to be served. She wakes up in the morning thinking, who is going to serve me? Who is going to bring me my coffee? Who's going to take care of me? Who is going to notice me? Who is going to applaud me? Mata has uh, some high expectations of everyone around her. She expects to be seated at the best table when she goes to a restaurant. She expects the waitress to give her more attention than everyone else in the restaurant. She expects to be able to go to the front of the line when she's at the store. Uh, When driving on the highway, she expects to be able to cut off anybody she wants on the road. She She expects her boss to say yes to every idea she presents to the company. And whenever things don't go her way, she ends up bitter. When she doesn't get the attention that she wants, she ends up bitter. Perhaps that's why her name, Mara, means bitter. But there's another lady. Her name is Joy. 
And Joy is a 38-year-old mom who has a great attitude in life. One of the questions that she asks the Lord every morning as she has her daily devotions is this, Lord, could you send me people my way today so that I can serve them? Lord, I love the privilege of loving on people. So every day, Joy loves serving her husband his coffee. She serves her children with kindness. When the grocery store cashier is grouchy, it doesn't bother her because that grocery store clerk isn't there to encourage her. She, Joy, is there to encourage the lady there. When her co-worker is overwhelmed with work, Joy steps in to help her out. So at the end of the day, she spends some time thanking God for the number of people that she had the privilege of serving. Joy is filled with joy. (laughs) And I kind of have a feeling that sometimes our whole attitude about serving can change uh, our whole disposition. Are we more like uh, the bitter lady named Mata or the joy-filled lady named Joy? It all depends on our attitude. Here's a great life lesson. If you make your happiness dependent on what others do for you, you're going to be disappointed and bitter. But if you take the initiative to serve, you will be filled with joy. Just a thought. My friend, you are called to serve. You are called to be more like Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. So when you serve, what are you doing? You're being more like Jesus. You see, my friend, you can still be a CEO, but you can lead with a servant's heart. You can, you can be a four-star general, but you can still lead with a servant's heart. You can be the coach. You can be the quarterback, but you can still fulfill your role with a servant's attitude. You can be the boss and still be a servant. Does anyone know what I'm talking about here, right? You can, still, you can be a husband or wife, but you can still be a servant and serve the Lord with all of your heart. Galatians chapter 5 once again. Question number three, serving fulfills which commandment? Well, scriptures, let's look at verse 14 here in Galatians 5. Here, the answer is given to us. The question is what? Serving fulfills which commandment? The answer is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So in verse 14, Paul says, as for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. So I love the way here in this whole concept that Paul is speaking about serving, I love the way he correlates serving with loving. Not only is serving correlated with being set free, but now he correlates what it means to be a servant of God with loving people. And I like that because here at Fortress Church, we are all about what? Loving God and loving people. So there's a direct correlation If we are truly going to love people, what does that involve? Well, Paul says it very clearly. It's all about serving. It's about serving. When you are serving people, you are loving people. Let me give you a quote from Randy Alcorn. He says this, When you store up treasures for yourself in heaven, it doesn't reduce the treasures available to others. In fact, It is by serving God and others that we store up heavenly treasures. Everyone gains, no one loses. I like that. I I like these win-win situations. 
See, because when we serve others, pretty much what Randy Alcorn is saying, and I agree, when we serve someone else, it's a win-win-win situation. Why is it a win-win-win situation? Because that person whom we're serving gets the blessing, right? I get the blessing if I'm a servant because I'm being more like Jesus. I win. But guess who else wins? The kingdom of God. Because God is glorified. The person I'm serving gets the blessing, right? I, as a servant, get closer to God. The Lord, as our Savior, gets the glory. So it's a win-win-win situation. I kind of like that. That's the way I see things. I like this story. read about this recently. A nurse escorted a tired, anxious young man to the bedside of an elderly man. And the nurse says this, your son is here. She whispered to the patient. She had to repeat the word several times before the patient's eyes opened. You see, uh, this elderly man was very heavily sedated because of the pain of his heart attack. And he was only able to hear a little bit and was not able to see. He had an oxygen, he was, uh, um, had oxygen and all these wire, uh, tubes in him. So this elderly man, who was definitely on his deathbed, reached out his hand, and the young man tightly wrapped his fingers around it and squeezing a message of encouragement. The nurse brought a chair next to the bedside. And although the night, uh, the, night the young man sat holding an old man's hand, uh, offering gentle words, he just, that night he just offered him words of hope, words of encouragement. The dying man didn't say a whole lot, but he just held on tight. Hold, hold on tight to his son's hand. Well, as dawn approached, the elderly man passed away. The young man placed, um, placed his, uh, his, that, the elderly man's hand back over there. And uh, he went to notify the nurse he's no longer living. While the nurse did what was necessary, the young man waited. And um, when she had finished her task, task the nurse began to say words of sympathy to the young man. And uh, the young man says, uh, Ma'am, nurse, uh, uh, can I ask you who was this man? Well, the nurse said, wait a minute, I, I thought he was your father. No, no, he's not my father. I I've never seen this elderly man before in my life. Well, then why did you say something, why didn't you say something when I brought you to him? And this young man replied, I... I just had a feeling that this elderly dying man needed his son, and his son wasn't around. And when I realized that he was too sick to realize that I was really not his son, I just wanted to stand in his place in his last hours. I kind of looked at, look at that story as uh, this young man became a servant because he was exactly what this elderly man needed in his last hours of life. Servants don't look for excuses. They look for opportunities to minister. I kind of uh, liken it to this. Perhaps you can um, think of serving in this manner. An eight-year-old boy wrote a note to his mom. Mom, I cleaned my room, and for that, you owe me $2. For taking out the trash, the note continued, you owe me $2. For mowing the lawn, $2. For vacuuming the living room, $2. For sweeping the outside deck, 
you owe me $2. Mom, in total, you owe me $10. He left that note and went off to school. Well, when the boy returned home from school, he found a $10 bill with a note from Mama. And she wrote this. For carrying you in my womb, no charge. For cooking three meals a day for you for these eight years that you have lived, no charge. For working overtime so that I can buy you your PlayStation and video games, no charge. For getting up in the middle of the night to feed you and change your diapers, no charge. For taking you to the emergency room when you jumped off the bed and broke your arm, no charge. Total, you owe me zero. (laughs) See, many Christians are like that eight-year-old boy, immature, and we say to God, God, I'll show up to church If you send me a blessing, you owe me something, God. I'll show up to the connect group if you provide a raise for me at work. Lord God, I will pay my tithes if you give me that promotion at work. Lord God, if you can make a way for me to purchase that shiny new sports car, I will be very grateful for you. I kind of see that there are many believers who have that spoiled mentality, huh? Give me, give me, give me. And how does the Lord respond? <laughs> I've given you my life, and it's, it's paid in full. The price, your ticket to eternal life is paid in full. I can imagine that's when Jesus says, uh, my son, my daughter, for taking those 39 stripes on my back for you, no charge. For taking those nails in my hands and my feet on the cross of Calvary, no charge. For dying that humiliating death on the cross for you, no charge. For being your your Savior, your Lord, your Provider, your Healer, your Prince of Peace, your Everlasting Father, your Redeemer, your soon-coming King, no charge. (laughs) But sometimes we get so spoiled that we start to expect things from God instead of us saying, God, I'm here on this earth to serve you. Sometimes we get it all turned around. A mature believer says, Lord, thank you for all that you've done for me. Thank you. I will serve you. I will serve your kingdom for the rest of my life. You have set me free, and today I'm free to serve you. I want to say this, that I believe one of the things that God has given us here at Fortress Church is just the privilege of of so much, so many blessings, and so many of you even here this morning are servants. And I just want to say thank you. So many of you have served and are serving and have served, and I just want to say thank you because what you do gives me a picture of Jesus in the flesh because you've come not to be served but to serve. I just want to say thank you for serving in God's kingdom through Fortress Church. I close with one last story. Immediately after World War II, much of Europe uh, was devastated by the bombings and and the the devastation of what had gone on, the destruction. And because of this, there was oftentimes that you would see children and even orphans roaming the streets. And in this particular story in in London, England, an American soldier came across a, a young boy, an orphan, standing in front of the window of a bakery. And the soldier saw how much the boy wanted some donuts. The soldier 
asked the boy, because the boy just had, he was just, just saw the donuts and was so hungry. Soldier says, hey, uh, uh, you want some donuts? The little boy said, yeah, yeah, I want some donuts. The soldier walked into the bakery, bought a dozen donuts, came outside and handed him the box of donuts. The boy looked up and asked, uh, sir, are, are you God? The soldier said, no, I'm not God. I'm just God's servant. See, that's what we're called to be, a servant of God. Are we God? No, <laughs> we're just servants of God. And today as we come to a time where we're going to respond to this message, respond to the message of what it means to serve together and what a privilege that we have as a church to be able to serve God together. We don't have to serve God alone. Aren't you glad there's brothers and sisters that we can team up with? And today, the question as we prepare to close and spend some time in seeking God here at these altars, the question I ask you is, uh, who has God called you to serve? Perhaps it begins in your home. Then it goes perhaps to the workplace, maybe to family, maybe to extended family, maybe to uh, your, your Christian community here, maybe even to the world that we live in. Who has God called you to serve? And if that's our desire, every time we serve, we're being a little bit more like Jesus. Thank you for listening to this audio podcast. Fortress Church is located in San Antonio, Texas, near Bandera and Pru Road. For more information, check us out at www.fortresschurch.org.